Hello, my friends. This is Elbert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Today, as I always like to do, I want to show you some prophecies that you may not have seen before. Would you believe there's prophecies in the uh, writings of Paul? Well, let's start out in the book of Romans. This is chapter 14, starting in verse 7. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. If we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. He owns us. He is the owner of the whole universe and the whole earth, and everybody on it. Verse 9, Romans 14, Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be the Lord both of the living and of the dead. See, he is going to resurrect all people who ever lived, and they, along with us, will get to meet Jesus which can be a very scary thing, quite honestly, because he has the power of life and death over you and over me. Verse 10, so why do you condemn another believer? And I'm reading out of the NLT. Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Wow. The scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will confess and give praise to God. I'd like for you to, let let me just paint a picture for you. There's millions of people on your left and on your right, and you're filtering into a line to go meet Jesus one at a time, or one by one, you get to meet Jesus. Your time is coming to do that. How would you like to meet him? One by one, we'll get to meet him. Face to face, eyeball to eyeball. Now, that will be the best day for Christians. For true believers, that will be their number one favorite, best, most beautiful day. To get to see him. What a joy. Now, I've met some important and individual presidents that um, (laughs) I never expected to be able to get to meet. But as cool as can be, the, the, the anticipation and the waiting to get there is incredible. These are kind of big people on the planet. They kind of rule over lots of people. And who am I? I'm this little peon nobody knows. And uh, I get to meet one of them. That's a big deal.
and entertainers. I've known a few of those, too. And uh, I've waited till midnight to get to see them. And I've, they've given me a hug. They've shake, uh, shaken my hand, and uh, it's just really quite a joy. I could, uh, you know, interview them and ask them questions and things like that. It's so cool. I mean, it's so much fun. But Jesus is the owner of the whole planet. Can you imagine meeting him, the maker of the planet? That's going to be quite a day, I'll tell you. But if I was hostile to Jesus, if I was uh, on the far left, for example, a communist who didn't believe in God, didn't acknowledge who he was, I would not be happy facing him on that day because of judgment. Let's read on. Verse 12, Romans 14. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. In other words, looking down our noses, oh, he's going to hell, that's for sure. And I've heard it said, and maybe even about me a time or two. But that doesn't mean that it's true. That doesn't mean it's real. Decide instead, he says, to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I know and am convinced, he says, on the authority of the Lord Jesus, that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. See, people were condemning one another because they ate food that was sacrificed to idols. And uh, it's not what goes into the mouth, according to Jesus, it's not what goes into the mouth, but what comes out of the mouth that matters. So verse 20 says, Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Verse 22, You may believe that there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you're sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions, which we all should do. In other words, if you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Exactly. In chapter 15, we see a little bit more. We are strong. We who are strong are or must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. Not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord, which is exactly what I want to do. For even Christ did not live to please himself. As the scriptures say, quote, the insults 
of those who insulted you, O God, have fallen on me. That's a quote from Psalm 69 in verse 9. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled, including our best day as Christians, when we get to meet Jesus eyeball to eyeball, face to face. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you to live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. Now, let me just stop right there a second and say this. Is God a narcissist? Is he only wanting glory? Well, look at it like this. If you're a parent, did you have children just so that people could say, Oh, what a great father you are. Look at your wonderful children. No. You're you're not out to get that glory. You're out to uh, help build those children into responsible citizens. That's what it's all about. Responsible toward God. Responsible toward the government. Responsible for the uh, tax man responsible for themselves and their friends. So there's a lot of teaching involved and I've got a lot of good example setting to do. That's why you become a, a, a parent is because you love those children. You want to love people and bring them into this world that they might be loved and that they might love and serve their community. Verse 7, chapter 15, Romans, Therefore accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. But it's not what he's after. That's not the goal. It's a side effect. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made in their or to their ancestors he also came so that the gentiles might give glory to god for his mercies to them now i believe i'm a gentile i don't know that i was reared as a jew i don't know that i have jewish blood but spiritually is what matters He also came that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. That is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. And in another place it is written, by the way, that was Psalms 1849. And in Another place that is written, Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. That would be, I believe, in Deuteronomy 32, 43. 
And yet again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, praise him, all you people of the earth. When we go before the judgment seat of Christ, we will either praise God, praise Jesus, eyeball to eyeball, or will refuse to do so and wind up getting burnt to death in the lake of fire. Now, the lake of fire, a lot of people assume that's eternal conscious torment. Well, don't assume that. That's not what the Bible says at all. Now, it'll be hot enough to kill the life out of you. And that means your thoughts and everything will be gone permanently and forever. Your memory will fade from the remembrance of all your loved ones, and you will be gone forever. As it is written, you know, Jesus said that the the lake of fire was prepared for the devil and his angels. Well, where do we find the scripture that mentions that? Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Ezekiel 28. Let's start in verse 11. Here's what it says. Then this further message came to me, that would be Ezekiel, saying, or from the Lord, saying, Son of man, sing this funeral song for the king of Tyre, the king of sin. Tyre represented sin. The king of sin would be Satan. And you'll see further proof of that in just a second. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. From the sovereign Lord. And he says, You were the model of perfection full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. You were in, the, were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone, red carnelian, pale green peridot, white moonstone, blue-green beryl, onyx, green jasper, blue lapis lazuli, turquoise, and emerald, all beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. They were given you on the day you were created. He's a created being. I ordained and anointed you as a mighty angelic guardian. Literally in the Hebrew, it it reads guardian cherub. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created till evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned. So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, O mighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire, your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupt, uh, corrupted because or by the love, your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of the kings. Now that would be the ground of the earth. You were defiled 
or you defiled your sanctuaries with your many sins and your dishonest trade. So I brought fire out from within you, and it consumed you. No, 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 no. No, his spirit would live on forever. If there were such a thing as eternal conscious torment, surely the devil would have to suffer that, wouldn't he? Not, not, not. It says, it consumed you. He says, I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. This is a prophecy. This has not yet happened. All who knew you were appalled at your fate. You have come to a terrible end, and you will exist no more. Unquote. That's verse 19, chapter 28, Ezekiel. So the devil and his angels are doomed to die. Permanent death. That's what this particular hell means. Of course, there are other words that talk about, or that are translated in the King James as hell. Sheol, Hades, Gehenna, and Tartaru. Tartaru was a holding pen for the angels that sinned. Doesn't say they're eternal spirit beings that aren't ever going to die. Nowhere in Scripture. At least not that I have seen. If you see something like that, by all means, fill me in. You can go to my website, Jesus is Why, or I Tell Why. Dot com, and you can get my email address there, which happens to be, by the way, I'll just tell you. Jesus is why at gmail.com. That's Jesus is why, W-H-Y, at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your comments. Send me an email if you want. And I'm not after your email, and I'm not after your money. There's nothing for sale on the website. It's there for your pleasure, your encouragement. That's why I built it and wrote my eight books there, which you can download and print for free. One of which is, Why Lie About Hell? Now let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 2. Hebrews is right after Philemon. Yeah, Philemon is a one-page book. Wow. Um, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 2 says this. Well, let's just read number 1. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go instead and become mature. That's what we are to be becoming as churchmen and women. We are to become mature in our understanding of the scriptures. Surely, we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds, placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptism, you've already been baptized, hopefully. 
or the laying on of hands, or the resurrection of the dead, or of eternal judgment. You see, the church at this point already knew all about this, and so should we. Verse 3, and so God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, i.e. the day of judgment, and who then turn away from God, it is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. Verse 7, when the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it is because of God's blessing. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it's useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe this applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for the others, the other believers, as you still do. Our great desire, verse 11, Hebrews 6, Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Amen to that. And you will not become spiritually dull or indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. For example... There um, was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no other person greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you and will multiply your descendants beyond number. Wow. And that's exactly what happened. In verse 17, God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. And that's the way God is. He doesn't vacillate. He doesn't deviate from what he says he's going to do. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. He's not like Allah, who says, go ahead and lie if it advances my cause. No, that would be Satan. But God himself, Jehovah God, the YHVH, the Lord God, the Almighty God, the King of creation, he does not lie. Therefore, 
we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our lives. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. You see, that narrow door is Jesus. We get into the inner sanctuary of God through him. Jesus has already, excuse me, Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that, in my view, it's not too late. Look at all the people that must have drowned in the flood in Noah's day. There must have been millions of people on the planet that died in that flood. What's going to happen to them? Are they condemned? Are they doomed forever? Are they coming back in a resurrection? Yes, they are. And what will they do? When they learn who Jesus is and what hell he went through on the cross for us, that we might have that access door to God's inner sanctuary and to be with him forever doing great and awesome and wonderful things, you know, no wonder he wants to uh, remind people, look, I hold life and I hold death in my hands. If you want to live, acknowledge me. If you want to die, don't. So where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? Well, some of our children may not be walking with God. I have kids like that. I'm not happy about it. I wish that they would repent of their sins, and draw close to him. That is my deep wish for them. But God must get a hold of them. He must look them in the eye one day and give them the opportunity then. This in it, Okay, Paul said, in this life only, if, it, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, then we are of all men most miserable. Now, could that be because they had children who weren't following God? And that's what made them most miserable? Maybe so. Maybe so. So there is a time yet future, and this is what makes it prophecy, a time yet future when all people will get to know God face-to-face, one-on-one, individually, nobody holding somebody else's hand to get in on somebody else's coattails. No. One by one, we will all face the judgment seat of God. And one by one, all Christians, all sincere Christians who have a godly relationship through prayer and Bible study and fellowship will get to meet Jesus with a smiling face. 
That's what I want so much. And I want that for each and every one of you hearing my voice. Because that's what God wants. That's what he wants all people to do. Just an acknowledgement of him. You know, it's like we don't quite get it. We think we have to go through all these hoops to get there. No, we need to acknowledge him. And as a result of that acknowledgement, follow him. Follow him. Do what he says. For he is not lying to us. He is giving us encouragement and great hope that there will be a great future ahead. I like to think about it like this. God is a real estate developer and a people developer. And that's what he's up to. That's what he's doing. He's bringing children into the world. And he's giving them every opportunity to enter through that narrow door and become one of his born children. What an awesome God. What an awesome plan. Could there be anything greater than that? No. He's developing worlds, filling them with life, and then giving them life on a permanent scale. I mean, wow, that is so cool. That's the best. As a reference, see Isaiah forty twenty two, um, Isaiah sixty six, the last verse, um, Isaiah fifty one sixteen, where he has covered us with the shadow of his hand. That would be Jesus. Why? That he might plant the heavens and say to Zion, "You are mine." Isn't that beautiful? We want to develop the universe with him. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Thanks for tuning in today and have a great day.